We're in this series now called The Unstoppable God. Today I want to talk to you about unstoppable influence. Unstoppable influence. And, and, and I want to talk to you about this today because every one of us in this room today, every person here was born with purpose and we've been assigned by God to have impact and influence on specific people's life that he has put in our sphere of influence. How many of you have ever gone down the road? Now, I'm the slowpoke in our family, okay? I don't speed. Now, Leadfoot's on the front row up here, okay? She can get you in trouble. You know, and Brad and Tommy and the rest of my family, all right? And uh, my philosophy is this. If you leave on time, you don't need to speed. It's called discipline. Anyway, uh, but how many has ever been like me? You know you're already going under the speed limit, but you're going down the road, and all of a sudden you see that car with a light on top called a law officer, and you back off even though you're not speeding. Anybody, and you hit the brake and everything else. You don't know why there's influence in that car. There's influence of authority. There's influence that you know that one can get you in trouble. And so there's an immediate recognition of influence, of impact of that. That's how people should respond when they come to contact with us as Christians. That there should be an immediate awareness of influence and impact that we have in, in our sphere of influence and the people that know us. And I want to talk to you about that today. Because when your name is mentioned at your job or around your family or friends, what's being said? What are they saying when your name comes up at the family reunion and you're not in the room? What are they saying at your job when you're on break and not there? Because that's the influence that we're having, whatever's being said. And I want to talk to you about this today, and I want to use a guy in the Bible called the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul was an amazing man, powerfully used by God. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament that we read and preach and live our lives by today, but it wasn't always that way. The Apostle Paul, at another time in his life, he had a different name and a different story. Before he was Paul, he was known as Saul. He was the key leader and ringleader of those that were persecuting the church, literally putting Christians to death. He was out and he had this reputation that created great fear in those that knew him and even those that heard of him. There was amazing fear that just his name brought in the lives of people. He despised and hated the disciples for spreading the gospel and reaching the Gentiles with the hope of Jesus. He had Christians arrested, had them put to death for standing for their faith. And one day he's on a journey and he's headed down this road. It's called the Damascus Road. And while he's heading down this road, all of a sudden a light shines from heaven and he's knocked down to his knees and the Spirit of the Lord speaks to him through heaven and says, I'm gonna change your name and your purpose in life and he's blinded. But here's what I want you to get. At the exact same time that the Holy Spirit is supernaturally speaking to Saul and blinding him and telling him, I'm going to change your name and your purpose in life, at the exact same time the Holy Spirit speaking to another man a few miles down the road named Ananias. And he's speaking to Ananias supernaturally at the very same time that he's speaking to Saul. And here's what he says. Go to our text now in Acts chapter 15, or excuse me, chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, now he's speaking to him at the same time he's doing this with Saul. And he says to Ananias, go, because this man, referring to Saul, is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people 
of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. How many know Saul had to be blinded for that to happen? God was setting the stage. Saul not blinded, he's already got Ananias' head before he ever gets on the property. God's setting the stage. He enters, puts his hand on him and says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Think about it today. Ananias and his influence is what introduced us to the Apostle Paul. It was the influence of a man that, that was living. He's got the guy that's literally coming to kill him and his family. It was his influence that converted him and gave us the man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament that we preach and live our life by. Influence, the power of influence. And you see, every great leader in both religion and society, every great leader is the product of the influence of someone in their life. How many of you right now, if I ask you, you could write down the name of someone that influenced your life to the point that it helped get you to where you are right now. Someone had a major impact in your life. Someone influenced you in a way that changed your life and helped you in the direction that you're going now. Every one of us have had that positive and negative influence of people in our life. The question is, what influence do you have on the lives of those in your family? What influence are you having on the lives of those on your job, in your school, or on your ball team, or the, the parents in the stands and the, as your child's playing the team? What, what influence are you having on the lives of those that are around you? When people see you coming, do they say, oh, no? No, no, not that, no, no. How many besides me got folks, when you see them in Walmart, you change aisles? I have to admit it, I do, because I know I'm fixing to hear a 20-minute negative, life's going bad, world's going south, everybody's going to hell, world's being destroyed, ain't no hope, I don't need that, I have enough battles without looking for one. I'm changing aisles, leaving early. How many's got other folks, when you see them coming, come and talk to me because you know you're going to leave refreshed, built up, encouraged, edified, all right? We got to answer the question because our influence determines the receptivity of people to us. And so what influence are we having on people? And so I want to talk to you today about this power of our influence. I'm going to start negative and then go positive. First of all, I want to talk to you about influence killers. I want to talk to you about things that the enemy wants to use to destroy your influence. Because here's what I want you to understand. Everybody look at me for a second. Because if you don't get this, this message loses its impact and meaning. Every one of us in this building have different gifts and callings. Every one of us. I can't play an instrument up here. I wish I could. How my son does that, I have no idea because I'm instrument stupid. And you can put one something in his hand and he'll learn to play it. Uh, Candy up there with that guitar or, or Holly over here on the keyboards and singing like that. I, I, I don't have that gift to play or sing like they do. I have a gift to come up here and speak and still trying to get that one fixed, all right? And, and I have different gifts. You have different gifts in your life, Right? But here's the one thing we all have, the number one purpose. You've got to get this. The number one purpose in every one of our life today is our influence. The number one calling in every one of our life today 
is our influence. How we influence and impact the lives of the people that are around us every day. Because you're not on a platform using your guitar. You're not on a platform speaking to a church. How am I influencing people when I'm not here? And I want to talk to you about that today. The number one killer, or one of the number one killers of our influence is when we're controlled by fear. The enemy wants to grip you with fear. And it's a proven fact today that the number one fear of people that people face today is public speaking. Anybody identify with that one? I ain't getting up from nobody and talking about nothing, okay? And I was that way all the way through high school. Through my senior year of high school, I took F's all the way across the board. When it came time to an oral report, I was petrified, scared to death. Hives break out. I mean, we ain't doing this. You know, you can give me F's, fail me. I learned, you know, remember when you had to write sentences? And I had to write sentences, I will give report. I learned how to hold three pencils at one time. I did. And write my hundred sentences. And, and, but I'm not doing it. I don't care how many sentences I write. And, and I got whippings over it from my father. And I, I didn't say this out loud because he had to kill me. But I, in my mind, I thought, you can whip me till I bleed. I ain't doing it because I was petrified. You stick me in the White House today, I'll preach, bro. I will preach my best. I'll try because God said he'll take your weaknesses and make them your strengths. And, and what I want you to understand today is the enemy wants to come and grip us with that fear. And let's go to the scriptures now in Acts 9. And, and, and here it is. The Lord says, Lord Ananias answered. He's responding to him now. Remember, he's already told him to go. And here's his response. He answered, I have heard many reports about this man, all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call upon your name. Ananias was not ignorant to the authority, the negative authority that Saul carried. And so God says, I want you to go. He's my chosen man. I got plans for him. But all of a sudden, there's an immediate question that comes to Ananias' mind. But God, do you really know who you're talking about? You really want me to go to the guy? You're asking me to go put my hands on the very man that's come to kill me and my family. And the enemy wants to put that fear on you and I today going, God, this can't happen. And so in Proverbs 29, write this down because I didn't have it in your notes to start with because I have all my notes to my, my production to team before Wednesday night so they don't have to work all weekend. And then I wanted to throw this one in. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but to trust the Lord means safety. Do you know you're safer in the midst of your enemy trusting God than you are in the midst of your friends when you have no enemy around? And the enemy wants to come and make us feel like we've, we're surrounded by this enemy that's got authority over us. And Satan's plan today of action is to cause Christians to become fearful. Don't we see that on the newsman, ISIS? And, and ISIS has got seven threats out now to, to, to murder groups of people, Atlanta being one of those today. I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying the threats out there. They want to get FBI's involved everywhere. All, all this is going on. We see persecution of Christians being beheaded and hung and, and children being beheaded. And, and we see the persecution of Christianity right here in America. We're watching uh, military people be removed from office. We're watching principals be fired for standing for Christian faith. We're watching police officers being removed from their job. We're watching students be given an F or zero on a report they write about Jesus and that same teacher teaching Allah's God and Islam's the faith of America today. We're watching all of this, and what's the purpose of it? It's to make you afraid to have an influence, make you become silent. 
make you fearful to speak out. I'll lose my job. I'll, I'll get killed. They'll come after me. It, if, if I showed you the emails right now that we have sent to this church, legal stuff, stating to us as a church what we can and cannot say in this pulpit or risk legal action against us as a church, it would blow your mind. But my response to them is I'm preaching this book. And whatever's in this book, I'm going to teach it and preach it. And then wherever it falls, it falls. And this church is set up. My leadership's set up in this church for me to go to jail. If that day ever happens, I pray it don't. But if it does, you keep coming because this church is going to keep going. And I'm going to start the biggest jail ministry Escambia County's ever had. Amen. We're, we're not going to quit doing what we're called to do out of fear that somebody else is telling me what I cannot do when God's already called me to do it. And you cannot get gripped by fear. You got to keep that influence going out there. Number two, you lose your, your, your influence when you're bound by insecurities. You're bound by insecurities. The enemy wants to bind you. As long as you think you're not good enough, you'll act like it. As long as you think you're not qualified, you'll act unqualified. God is the master. How many is thankful God's the master of qualifying the unqualified? How many is glad God takes the foolish things of the earth and confounds the wise with it? Come on, how I many? That, that lets me be a part of the army now. Amen. All right. And, and God is the master of coming in. And I want to give you an example. God calls Gideon to raise up an army to stop the Midianites and conquer an entire city. We see it in Judges chapter 6. Read it with me. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So God immediately starts the call to Gideon with a positive, and he says, Gideon, I'm calling you, I'm with you, and I see you as a mighty warrior, Gideon. And here's Gideon's response. Pardon me, my Lord? Are you serious? But how can I save Israel? My clan, which means family, is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least of my family. I mean, who in the world are you calling, God? You talking to me? I mean, I'm from the least of the families, and I'm the least of my family. Insecurity. You see, Gideon saw himself as unqualified when God saw him as a mighty warrior. And you see, you've got to begin to see yourself as God sees you. Stop letting your past, stop letting past failures and past mistakes and past things and, and all, a record at the courthouse or whatever that disqualifies you to man from disqualifying you from God's purpose in your life. You've got to see yourself as God sees you and God sees you as valuable. He sees you as a mighty warrior. I sit with pastors. I was just in a meeting in, in Texas with a pastor. I'm, I'm in fellowship with pastors who their, their nursery's bigger than this sanctuary. Talk inferior. They, they have more income coming one Sunday than we have in, in six months. Talk inferior. I mean, I, I was just with a pastor. His nursery of his church is 33,000 square feet. That's half the building I'm trying to get for a whole church. His TV bill is $75,000 a day to be on TV. I don't want that. I'm glad God called him to do that, not me. But you know what? I'm going to do the best I can to be the best me that God's called me to be right here. And not feel like I can't judge my church by the size of somebody else's church. I need to be faithful with the church God has given me. 
and treat it like a church of 10,000 people because one day we might be. And come and understand that, that you can't judge yourself. Many of you are judging yourself, comparing you to somebody else, and then disqualifying you going, I'm not that. God didn't ask you to be that or he would have made you them. He wants to know, are you willing to be the best you that I created and called you to be? Isn't it amazing he called Gideon the least of the families and the least of, the, of that family? That's the one God chose. Didn't he do that with David? And he wants to do it with you. And you've got to stop letting other people uh, to be able to identify you as, as that past. And you've got to walk in your present and in your future because insecurity is always connected to identity. Insecurity is always connected to identity. When you allow yourself and identify yourself as unqualified, you will live that and act that. Let me just say this to you before I move on. If you don't believe in you, no one else will. Some of you need to start looking in that mirror and speaking over yourself in the morning that I am fearfully and wonderfully made by the God of heaven, that no weapon formed against me today is going to prosper, that greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world today. No weapon, no weapon today is going to destroy me. I have purpose and destiny in my life today. I'm going to impact and change the life of people today through influence and impact in Jesus' name. And start your day declaring your value and your worth and stop listening to the lie of the enemy. Because it steals your influence. Number three, your influence is destroyed when you maintain unhealthy relationships. I got oohs and ahs of that 10 o'clock service on that one. If I'd had a Hammond B3 going, we'd have preached. Ooh, ah, they was on and ooh in the whole service. But unhealthy relationships destroys your influence. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Because who you hang out with, listen to me, it's not, what, it's not you being in here on Sunday that tells who you are. It's who you're with on Friday and Saturday night that tells who you are. Ooh, and ah again. <laughs> but isn't that the truth? An unhealthy relationship destroys our influence on people because people don't identify you with what you say. They identify with the people you run with. And if you're at bars and hanging out on Friday and Saturday night and then you're in church on Sunday, they don't identify you with this church crowd. They identify with you through the Friday and Saturday night crowd. Ooh, good preaching. Amens are really weak right now. Ooh. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have small groups that you can connect with people and build positive relationships in your life. Because life change comes through relationships, and you need healthy relationships in your life. In between the last service in my office, I had two of our men in there just pouring into me. They just, we were just talking, and they, I said, just go in my office, and for 20 minutes, two of our men just sat in my office, just poured into me, just poured into me. I didn't plan it. They didn't either, and just pouring into me. I need that. I, I need that healthy relationship. You got to have those in your life 
because that builds your influence. Those guys so challenged me in the last 20 minutes before this service that, that you know what, we're, we're going to better places. We're, we're going to higher places. We're going to see God do greater things than we're seeing right now. It wasn't planned, but you know what? They intensified my influence inside of me that, you know what, we're in track with what God's getting ready to do. You need those kind of people in your life, not people pulling you down, destroying your influence. The psalmist put it like this in Psalms 1. Let me go quick here. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step. Walk in step, and you got to get that because that means I'm not going where they are. I'm not doing what they're doing. I'm not in step with them, okay? Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners take, uh, that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law both day and night. God, God's saying, I, I'm not going with it. I have unsaved people in my, in my sphere of influence. You know that. I take more unsaved people to lunch during the week than I do folks in my church because I'm building influence in their life and I'm bringing them to Jesus on a journey that I have set. It's intentional. I have many unchurched people in my sphere of influence, but I'm not going where they're going. I'm bringing them to where I'm going. Amen. See, I'm not going in their world. I'm bringing them in mine, and that's the difference. And you've got to come and understand that God wants you to come and, and, and have this journey that, that you're, you're not defending these bad relationships. You're not defending them, okay? And then last of all is the, the last attack against our influence is when we attempt to defend our sin. When we attempt to defend our sin. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily ensnare us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And if we're honest in this room today, every one of us, including the guy talking to you, could write on a piece of paper, here's an area that I'm still working out. And if you don't have that area, I need to sit and you need to come and preach. Because <laughs> I still have them. Okay, I'm still working it out, folks. I just hate to admit that to you, but your pastor don't have it down yet. Still working it out. Thank God for his grace. Amen. Now, there's no known sin in my life that I know about, but there's some areas that I still have to fight and work through so they don't become sin. All right, with me? Okay. And I still want to hit some people sometime. Don't need to do that, okay? <laughs> but uh, that's not true. Anyway, but we've got to come and realize what you defend, you will never change. The area of your life you defend, you will never change it. And my influence is destroyed when I protect areas that I know other people see wrong in my life, and yet I defend it. I lose the authority of my influence. Because the unchurched knows what the church folks are supposed to live like. And we lose our influence when we defend sin in our life. We know what they are. We need to identify them and remove them so that we can press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus, that our influence stays strong. Because remember, the one thing every one of us has every day of our life, the number one thing we have is our influence. We're having influence on people every day. And so we've got to look at these killers of our influence. So real quick, let's look at what, what are the positive things and how do we have this unstoppable influence. Let me give these to you real quick. And we're going to go back to Ananias and Saul 
eventually Paul. And here's the first thing you have to do. How many want to have unstoppable, powerful influence on other people? How many want to have that? Number one, you've got to learn to listen. I got some response to that, didn't I? Wow. We got to learn to listen. We must learn to listen to the voice of God in our spirit. When God says to do something, we do it. We don't get in a dialogue with God and try to explain to him how he's wrong. He made a mistake. Now, you got to learn to listen. Hear when the spirit speaks to you in Acts 9 verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he said. He responded. He listened to God. And can I tell you right now, God will speak to you on a regular basis concerning people in your sphere of influence that he wants you to have impact on if you're listening. He's talking to us almost on a daily basis, if not a daily basis. We're just not listening. Because our number one role in life is to impact other people through influence. And that's why you work on jobs that you wish you didn't have because there's too many unchurched people there. That just might be why God puts you there. Why do you think I go into so many unchurched places? Because my job puts me around Christians. And I could safely come and sit in my office every day and be surrounded by Christians. That's not how I'm going to reach the world. So I have to go outside of my sphere to bring unchurched people into my my zone, into close to me. I do it intentional because that's how I'm going to have influence on the unchurched. And I listen to God. And you got to learn how to listen to God and he's going to speak to you because here's what you got to understand. People in the world are going to show you what they want you to see. God wants to speak to you what they're not showing you. They're telling you their marriage is great, it's falling apart. They're telling you life's wonderful, it's not, they can't sleep at night. They're telling you, they're showing you one thing, but God wants to speak to you and put somebody on your heart. He's going to let you know that their world's crashing and he's going to let your influence bring hope to them. You got to learn to listen. It just happened uh, online yesterday. This guy, I didn't know him. Somehow he was my friend on Facebook. Who knows how they get there? But anyway, he makes this very negative post about pastors. And he shows this pastor with this mega house and mega church. And he put all of us in that one group. Ain't nothing but a bunch of money whoremongers, he called us. You know, the whole thing. And I just put a one little paragraph thing of, you know, that's, you, you, you're taking a handful and putting multitude in the group with that. And that's not fair. That the majority of pastors in our nation are bivocal. They're working two jobs. They're trying to survive. Seventeen hundred a month. They're quitting because of stress. So let's get the right perspective here. And he responded very attacking back to me and and attacked. And I said, you know what? And I put it. It's on. It's on there now. I put. You know what? I'm not even look interested in the dialogue on this topic. I'm interested in you. I want to know what happened in your life that's brought such a hurt that you're so angry against God and His church. You're my concern now. And then I sent him a private message and poured my heart out to him. Talk to me. I'm your friend. I want to help you. And he sends me a paragraph. He poured his heart out to me. He was showing me an outward facade, but the Holy Spirit was telling me an inward pain. Are you with me? He's been to this church. He was at NAS. He's in New York now, but when we were hearts of love, he visited here. He's telling me this. And he's fixing to fly down from New York because he wants to be in a service with us again as God's bringing healing in his life. 
And I'm, what is it? You got to listen because God's going to speak to you about people and he's going to tell you what's really going on in their world. And that's what he did with Ananias. Number two is you've got to trust. You've got to trust. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to, to your saints in Jerusalem and he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Saul was on his way to murder Christians and at the same time God's calling Ananias, a Christian, to go put hands on him and to speak to him the word of God. And can I tell you, that that's exactly what God's wanting you to understand today, that you've got to trust God. You've got to say, God, I know you're laying that person on my heart. I know, God, you're going to start looking at people at your job, and you're going to see them with different eyes now because you're going to be praying, Holy Spirit, speak to me today on who you want me to have influence and impact on. And can I say this to you? God will never send you to anyone he hasn't already prepared for you. And you're going to start seeing society different. You're going to be in a Walmart line and going, the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you about that person in front of you. You're going to be at Burger King and, and the Holy Spirit's going to put a burden in your heart for someone that's there with their little baby. And you're going to walk up and go, my name's Dan and I don't know you and I know you don't know me, but while I was sitting here, I'm a Christian and, and I just felt the Lord put a burden in my heart for you. And can I pray for you and your baby for a moment? What are they going to say? No. No, they're going to say yes because God's already prepared them just like he did Saul for Ananias. He's prepared them for you and the influence that you can have in their life. And you start looking for the opportunity to operate in that influence of authority and compassion that God has given you. Are you getting this today? And we got to start becoming that, that, that place that we trust God that if you put this person in my heart, I'm trusting you that you're taking care of it on the other end. Because how many knew it took some trust for Ananias to go to Saul's house? You're sending me to the house of the guy that came to kill me and my family, just in case you didn't know that God. <laughs> Trusted him. And can I tell you, if you're going to have unbelievable, unstoppable impact, you've got to trust God to send you in places that don't make sense to you because the enemy's going to go ahead and start going. And here's what we often say. Well, they're not going to listen anyway. Well, how many times have we used that one? Well, they're not going to receive it. You, no, you've got to start operating with trust that if God burdens you, they're ready. And I'm going to operate in the influence that he's given me. Why? The enemy doesn't fear you. He fears the life-changing influence that's inside of you. That's what he fears today. Because you have the ability to change people's lives through the influence of Jesus inside of you. Number three is we've got to believe. Believe. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go! This is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. Ananias has got to be going, serious? Are you serious? Do you know this guy's past? Isn't it amazing how many questions we throw up at God like he's ignorant, out of control? Like, really, God, do you really understand what you're at? And Ananias has got to be sitting there just freaking out, going, God, I don't get, this makes no logical sense at all. Why are you sending me to the guy that's come to kill us all? But you've got to believe. 
that God has the ability to change the heart of every man and woman, no matter how hard, how far away, how much they've denied God. Isn't it powerful when we get to watch two ex-agnostics lead worship on this stage now, Sunday after Sunday, that many times people said, no hope, no chance. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to listen. I'm watching two brothers worship up here. Lead us in worship today. I get to see God change and transform his life. There's not a heart breathing today that God can't change. That he doesn't want to change. And we've got to start believing. We've got to stop looking at people and going, nah, they're too far. No, they're not. They're too hard. No, they're not. Because if God can blind a saw, he can prepare a heart for you. He'll prepare that heart for the word that you're going to bring. And you've got to believe that. You've got to believe that. God wants to use you to change people's lives. How many is glad somebody believed in you enough? How many is thankful somebody believed that God could change your life enough to come to you with a word of hope? And that's the same belief that I've got to take to other people is that I believe, God, you can change their life. I believe you really can and operate in that belief. And then last of all, is you got to go. You got to be willing to go. Because you see, if you're not willing to go, then listen and trust and believe have no purpose. Have absolutely no purpose. Listening to God and hearing his voice and trusting him that he's going to take care of it and believing him that that life can literally be changed has no purpose if I'm not willing to take the message and go. And here we see it in Scripture in Acts 9. It says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. He went. He went. He, there was a go in Ananias. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again, and he got up, and he was baptized. And can I say this to you today? You will be amazed at the impact and influence that you will have and make in the lives of those around you if you would just be willing to listen. You'll be willing to trust. You'll be willing to believe that God can really do it. And you're willing to go and be the vessel for him to do it through. And can I ask you to join me in the transformation crew? And let's let these next few weeks and months and then let it become a lifestyle I want to challenge you this week on your job that you don't just see people as employees around you, but that you see them as the opportunity of influence, that in your neighborhood you see your neighbors as an opportunity of influence, that you see the people in the market and in the grocery store and at the bank, wherever you are, at the ball field with your children, an opportunity of influence because they're watching you. Because if you hadn't figured this out, everybody has enough negative influence coming against them without any help. And when they see the opportunity of a positive influence, they're ready for it. They're waiting for you. And I want to challenge every one of us in this building today that we leave this building and we begin to look at people with maybe that's the one God wants me to speak to next. Maybe that's the one I'm supposed to impact with influence. Maybe that's the one I get to bring life change to. And let God send us. Let's go. And let's go have influence and impact. Let's change some people's lives for the glory of God and for the building of his kingdom. Amen? Amen. You receive God's word today? Come on, let's give him praise for his word. Amen? Thank you, Father. Let me pray with you.
Father, I love you today, and I thank you, God, for these amazing people. God, we're just so appreciative, God, and, and the joy of getting to pastor. God, such a great, great church, great group of people, real. And God, I just pray blessing over them today, and I pray, God, as we leave this building today and we go into Thanksgiving week, that, that God, what an opportunity this week, Father, to have influence on people and family and friends. And so, God, I pray that you will help us not to let this just be another message, but, God, let it become part of us. That God, we'll be doers of your word, not just hearers of your word. That, God, we're going to go out and make impact, change people's lives. So I pray over this body right now, blessing and favor and guidance and empowerment of your Holy Spirit. Maybe you're in this room right now, and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm here today, and I'm not where I need to be with God. I know about God. I know God's real, and things have happened in my life. I'm not a bad person. I'm just kind of in a bad place right now, but I want life change to come, and I'm ready to start a brand-new journey with Him. And I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. I just want to pray for you. And if that's you right now, would you just slip a hand up wherever you sit right now? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Several hands going up. I just need Jesus today in my life, Pastor. I need that change. Pray for me. God bless you. If you raise your hand or you did not, maybe you're on live streaming. You need to ask Jesus in your life today. You can pray this prayer with us and we're going to pray it with you as a church family. And will you join us if you raise your hand or you did not and you need Jesus in your life today? Pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead and I receive you as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. According to your word, I'm saved. I'm a new person in Christ today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.